Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor Tyson Harold, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. We're in week three of the book of Jonah, and so if you have your Bibles, flip over to Jonah chapter three, which is where we'll be today. It'll be on the screen behind me as well. And there's a Bible in the seat in front of you that you're welcome to take if you don't have one. When it comes to Jonah, the first two weeks most people get, right? Jonah runs from the Lord, and then he's swallowed by a fish, and and most people stop with the story there. But the next two weeks, today and next week as we wrap up the series of Jonah, are probably even more important for you to understand what God thinks about you, what God thinks about the people that you don't like, and what God thinks about humanity as a whole and his provision for them. And so most people stop after week two. Jonah gets swallowed by a fish, he gets thrown back up on land, and he heads to Nineveh, and most people are like, that sounds like a good story, and and most of the time that's where we stop. And so today I wanna take time to spend a little bit of time this morning in Jonah chapter three because it teaches us some important lessons about who God is and what he thinks. Because Jonah, or God had Jonah's full attention at the end of chapter two. If you remember, he was swallowed by the fish, and through prayer, God reoriented and recalibrated Jonah's life. He had his full attention. Well, I can't read Jonah chapter three without thinking back to September 20th of 2000, when God got my full attention. And in September 20th of the year 2000, I was a freshman in college, and I went to a small Christian college, and and part of what going to a small Christian college is you have to go to chapel. And uh, we were pretty much made to go to chapel. And this particular evening, there was a spiritual emphasis week where they were teaching through the book of Jonah, and specifically Jonah chapter three. I will never forget it because a tornado came that night. I was not too far from Lindsay Stewart and also from my wife, although I didn't know even know Shelly at that point, I don't think. But We were there, and we were reading the book of Jonah chapter three when all of a sudden somebody came into the room much like this and said, everybody has to run for cover. There's a tornado headed straight for us. And so the tornado hit Xenia, Ohio, went through the Walmart, killed five people, and then made its way to us. And as it came to us, the first responders said that that tornado hit one side of campus, picked up over chapel, and dropped on the other side of campus went on to South Charleston, Ohio, and and did a lot of damage there as well. But God had my full attention in a way that he had never had it before. And we went and we hid into smaller rooms and took shelter, and we came back out that night. And I'll never forget, because the generators quit working, and we sat in the pitch black, and the pastor went through Jonah chapter three for almost what seemed like two hours, and God had my full attention. You see, I can't read Jonah chapter three without thinking back to that night. I can't think about that night without recognizing that I wouldn't be on this stage today without God having my full attention and waking me up to what I think he wants to wake us up to here today. And so if you have your Bibles, read along with me in Jonah chapter three, verse one, because I hope God has your attention. And I hope it doesn't take a tornado dropping over the top of your campus, sucking all the sand out of your sand volleyball courts, flipping over cars, taking trees down, and waking you up to what God wants you to do. But I'm grateful that he did that some 19 years ago. And uh, 
today I get the chance to share with you from Jonah chapter 3. It says, Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from greatest to least, put on sackcloth. And when Jonah's warning had reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Now, this is the proclamation that he issued to the city of Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people, animals, herds, or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth, and let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And when God saw that they did this and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. So Jonah, after being in the midst of a storm and being in the bottom of a fish, he's ready to listen to God. And God used those to help him wake up to what he wanted to see. The question today is how good are you at listening to what God says? Because listening is not so much with our ears. Listening involves actually going and doing something. Remember as a kid when your mom would tell you to clean your room, you almost always heard her say, clean your room. You just chose not to follow through on the other end of that. And so when we talk about listening to God, Jonah is ready to listen to the Lord, right? The verse one says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And as Jonah listens to the word of the Lord, you have to think back of all that's happened in his life in the past three to four days. How he ran from the Lord, how God pursued him, and how God woke him up to what he wanted him to see and he's finally ready to listen to what God wanted him to hear the first time. You see, God's grace is once again evident in Jonah's life, and it's true there's consequences. For Jonah, his consequences for not obeying the Lord were a storm of epic proportions. It was being swallowed alive by a fish and then being thrown back up on land. But God, even in his infinite goodness and grace, takes the consequences of Jonah's life and uses them for something great, right? God's going to accomplish what God wants to accomplish, and there's forgiveness and restoration that's available from the Lord. The great news for you today is that no matter how far you've ran, no matter how far you've strayed, that you can come back to the Lord and he will forgive you. Jonah verse, chapter 3, verse 2 says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give to you. Jonah had a clear command to go, and we've been given a clear command as well. Jonah's message was go to Nineveh and preach against it. He was told that in chapter one. He's told that again in chapter three. Well, you and I have a message as well that we've been given. It's very similar. It's go, right? Jesus' last words before he left the earth, or some of his last words before he left the earth, were therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and teaching to obey some of the things that I told you. No, everything that I told you. And I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, Jonah had heard the message before to go. And he didn't like it. 
And he comes to him a second time and says, I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city. Remember, Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian Empire, the most ruthless and cruel people on the planet, maybe ever, but certainly for that time. And Jonah is told to go, and we have been commanded to go as well. As Jesus left this earth, he left us with the command to go and make disciples and to teach them everything. Now, usually about the time that we read this verse, we, we think of all the reasons in our head why we haven't gone. We think of all the reasons in, the head, in our head why we wouldn't do what God wants us to do. But Jonah, for this time, it took him a while, but he finally figured out, and he obeyed the word of the Lord. Take a look at verse 3. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. It took a while, but he got there. Now, Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go through. It's not that it took three days to cross the city, but as he's snaking through the city, he's telling people what God wanted him to tell them. And Jonah, the key thing you need to understand is that he obeyed the Lord. The city was full of people, probably included the surrounding areas as well, and Jonah was willing to do that. In verse 4, it says, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, Jonah probably said more than 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Although some commentators have argued Jonah was so mad that he had to finally go to Nineveh that that's maybe all he said. But it, could, it doesn't really matter if he said more because 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown is one of the, the main thrust of what he had to say. His message was of God's impending justice. And Jonah makes this simple proclamation as he goes throughout Nineveh 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, the word overthrown in Hebrew can mean, uh, actually means about four or five things. Jonah, in his mind, he's thinking overthrown. That literally, Nineveh would be turned upside down. That it would be destroyed. But there's another meaning to the original Hebrew word, which I'm not even going to try to say. And that is, is that it could be a change of heart. And so Jonah comes in preaching destruction because the Assyrians are his enemies, the people that he hates the most. And he says, 40 more days and Nineveh is going to be destroyed. It's going to be overturned. It's going to be flipped up on its head. But what they actually did was the other meaning of the word, and they had a change of heart. So Jonah's thinking destruction, and the Lord's thinking a change of heart. Just like Nineveh, God doesn't want to destroy you. He wants to change you. He doesn't just want to get rid of you, even though you've messed up, and you probably certainly deserve it, and I know I certainly deserve it. He wants to change you. He wants to save you. He wants to do something in your heart that would cause you to see and more be closely aligned with what his heart looks like. And so as Jonah goes into the capital of Assyria, he's thinking destruction, He's thinking, finally, God's going to get these people. They have been so cruel to my people. They have been so harsh to my people and our neighbors. And God is going to turn them upside down. But what we come to learn from God and what we come to learn through Jonah's difficult experience is that God has a heart for changing and saving people. Peter would go on to say later on that God is not slow as some understand slowness. He's willing that no one would perish, that everyone would turn and follow him. 
So when we think of the Assyrians, that ruthless, cruel people, Jonah's thinking destruction, but God is thinking a heart change. And that's exactly what happens. Take a look. The Ninevites, in verse five, believed God. They believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from greatest to least, put on sackcloth. They believed God. Maybe they believed that God was gonna destroy them. Maybe they saw Jonah. Maybe Jonah told them about the fish, and they were terrified. But whatever it was that changed their minds, the Ninevites believed God. You see, the litmus test of our belief is how we live. Or to put it another way, how you live says what you really believe. And so Jonah, he goes in thinking destruction, destruction, destruction. And God shows up and works in their hearts and shows a heart change. And for you and for me, we've been given a command to go as well. We have a message of hope. I would argue that our message is slightly easier than Jonah's. We don't have to walk into the most cruel empire in the world and say they're going to be overthrown, although you could try that. Not sure how it would go. We have a message of hope and forgiveness and love and acceptance. And we've been commanded to go and to offer that message into the world. And so in some ways, our, our job is easier. And the litmus test of our belief is how we live. If we really believe that we have the words of life and the most important thing that anyone could have, we should be willing to go to wherever our Nineveh is. And so Jonah, it says in verse 5 that the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from greatest to least, least Put on sackcloth. You see, genuine belief results in genuine change. And if we say that we believe God, there will be a change in our lives. And we see that even in the lives of the Ninevites. It says that they put on sackcloth and they declare a fast. And in the ancient East, Middle East, part of their way that they coped with these kinds of things is is they would make themselves outwardly uncomfortable to show what was inwardly happening. And so they'd put on sackcloth, which is a lot like a burlap sack, which they would put it on over their, or not even over their clothes, just on them. So it would make them itchy and scratchy. And they'd sit down in the dust and, and declare a fast and not eat anything. And it sounds like a terrible day to me personally. But they were willing to show what God was doing on the inside. In our small town world of protect myself at all costs and protect my image and what I look like and what other people think about me, this is a foreign, foreign concept to us. But to Jonah, he saw what was happening because the Ninevites' belief inspired them into action. And the question today is, does your belief inspire you to action? James says that our faith without works is dead. And so does our belief, do we have a genuine belief that results in a genuine change for whatever God may be wanting to do in your life? Verse six, when Jonah, when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne. He took off his royal robes and covered himself with sackcloth and he sat down in the dust. It's amazing that Jonah's message seemed to resonate with everyone, even the king. The most ruthless nation possibly ever decides to call it quits on violence, on oppression, 
and they decide to call a fast to where no one eats. Everyone sits in the dust and they put on burlap. How do you explain that? There's only one way, and that's God. God did something in the hearts of the Ninevites. God was doing something in the heart of Jonah. And if you'll let him, he'll do something in your heart as well. You see, Jonah shows up and his warning reaches the king and the king does this. The only way to explain this is is that God showed up. When Paul told Timothy how to handle people who didn't agree with him, I love this. I read this this week in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses. I love how he says that. They would come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. That's what had happened with the people of Nineveh. The devil had taken them captive to doing what he wanted them to do. And God woke them up to what was happening. And there was a genuine belief that resulted in a genuine change. And when Paul told Timothy that we should handle the people who are are different, that opponents, even though he uses the word opponents, those who are against God, that we should handle them gently so that God might grant them repentance and that God might work in their hearts. And that's what's happening at this time. Can I just encourage you today Think about this. The most cruel people ever decide that they're going to listen to God for a moment. Don't pre-decide about God for your family and your friends. Don't make that decision for them. And here's what I mean by that. Jonah never thought that the Ninevites would ever change. And you've got somebody in your head right now that you're like, God would never do something in their life. Can I just encourage you, don't pre-decide for them what's gonna happen. When I was uh, in sales prior to this job, one of the things that that somebody told me one time is they said, look, you've got something to offer. Let them decide whether they want it or not. Let them make the decision. You don't need to make the decision for them. And a lot of times I'd say, well, this customer would be interested in it and this customer would be interested. That guy doesn't buy a thing. He's never gonna buy a thing. And I would make the decision. And the person who told me that said, don't, Don't make the decision for the people. You have something to offer them. Let them choose whether they want to. And so Jonah, in his head, had pre-decided. The Ninevites are never gonna follow the Lord. They're never gonna turn. They're never gonna follow him. They're never gonna ask for forgiveness. They're gonna continue their violent, evil ways from here on forever. And maybe you've got somebody in your life like that as well that you say they will never follow the Lord. Can I just encourage you today to not pre-decide for your family and friends. Think what would happen. Some of the great minds that we've experienced some great truth, right? The Apostle Paul, the people around him are saying, they would have ne- he would have never changed. But what did God do? He intervened in his life. C.S. Lewis, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, many of the great thinkers of the Christian faith, most people would have written off. And maybe that's the case even of your life. Maybe people wrote you off prior to coming to the Lord. And so don't pre-decide what other people should do this. That's what Jonah did, and we can't do that. Jonah chapter three, verse seven says, this is the proclamation that the king of Nineveh issued. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. So he was so convinced about this that even the animals couldn't get a break, right? They don't get food either. We're not eating, the animals aren't eating, which is not a good plan for world domination. 
at this time, right? If the animals don't eat and you don't eat, this is not how it's going to go well. But let the people and animals, right? We're going to cover everybody just in case we missed anybody who screwed up. Maybe an animal did something wrong to offend this God. He does not know. And he's just going to cover his basis with doing everybody. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth and let everyone call urgently on God. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Here's the thing, the Ninevites figured out what was so bad. They gave up their evil ways and their violence. And they called out urgently on God. I don't know if you've ever called out urgently to God. I remember September 20th that night calling out urgently to God that he would not allow us to be hit by a tornado. I can remember other times when my kids were sick or something was happening in my family that we'd call urgently on God. But Jonah says that the, or the recording is, is that the Ninevites called urgently on God to give up their ways. There's no record that the Ninevites entered into a relationship with the Lord, although we don't really know. We know the sailors, if you remember from the previous chapter, once they decided that the Lord was Lord, they made a vow and they changed their ways and they sacrificed to him. We don't have any record of that with the people of Nineveh and unfortunately, if you know how the story goes, this turn in their lives only lasted for a while, about 40 years. And then shortly after that, they destroyed the kingdom of northern Israel and then eventually they're taken over by the Babylonians and they cease to exist. But what we do know is that at this moment, they were convicted and they made a change and they did what the Lord asked, but they, didn't, they weren't confident. Take a look at verse nine. Who knows? Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Who knows? They weren't confident in what God would do, but we can be. They weren't. They didn't know. They are like, we're gonna cover the animals just to be safe. We're gonna cover the people just to be safe. And who knows? God may yet relent. Can I tell you something today that we do know what God will do? Right? We do know. One of the most well-known verses. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right? We know that we know that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And for those of us who are believers here today, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We know how God deals with sin now. They didn't. But we absolutely know and understand what God wants to do. And so their belief produced action and they changed in verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. So Jonah has quite possibly one of the more difficult jobs ever, to go into the most ruthless nation ever and to tell them they're wrong. The Assyrians, if you know anything about them, they, it's a miracle they didn't just kill them on the spot. But God was doing something in their hearts and we don't know what that was. Can I just encourage you that God is probably working in your friends and your family's hearts as well and maybe even in your heart, that you have no clue what he's doing right now. And so we get to come along at times and help point people to the Lord, but we don't know what God's doing, but we do know that the Ninevites changed for a time. It's interesting that Matthew record, records Jesus' words 
on this in Matthew chapter 12, which we looked at the first week. It says that as Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees and they're asking for a sign and whether they can trust Jesus, and he tells them, and he uses Jonah in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then this is interesting, verse 41. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they pre- repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now someone greater than Jonah is here. Jesus also noted their change. And he says to the Pharisees that were arguing with them at that time that one day the men of Nineveh would stand up with them and condemn them because they didn't listen to Jesus. Because the people of Nineveh listened to Jonah, at least for a time. And so Jonah obeyed and shared the message of the Lord. And the question is today, will we? Will we do that? Because Jonah did. Now, if you come next week, you're going to find out Jonah was not quite as enthused about this as we think he is. But he did what he was called to do for a time. So a couple things to think through as we wrap up our time today. Number one, where is your Nineveh? Who are the people that you would write off right now and say those people are never going to change? They're never going to do what God wants them to do. They're never going to turn and follow him. And if you have that person in your mind, can I just ask you to begin, if you haven't already, to begin to pray for them? Because God could be doing something in their hearts that all it may take is you loving them and maybe beginning a conversation with them and sharing the hope of Christ with them. I heard a really cool story this past week, right? Because one of the great things you can do is when we talk about sharing our faith, most people get scared. I get scared because we don't know what to say. We don't think we'll say it right. Or we're, we're afraid of being shut out or turned down. And so when it comes to sharing your faith, right, inviting someone to church is not sharing your faith, but it's a start. It's been said that only 2% of people who regularly go to church invite anyone to church. But the incredible thing is, is that over 70% of people surveyed said, I would go to church if somebody just invited me. I heard from one of our small group leaders with our high school students that they said that there was a girl that invited another girl to camp. And one night this discussion broke out last two weeks ago and they were like, what are we gonna do afterwards? Kind of stay together, we're gonna go to church, we're gonna meet as a small group, we're gonna continue to, to move forward. And the girl who was invited said, well, I've never been to church. And she's like, I always knew I was welcome to church, but as the conversation went on, the girl who brought her said, well, I've never invited her to church. And Basically, they got into this huge discussion about how the girl knew that she was welcome to church, but she just wanted somebody to invite her. So inviting people to church is not fulfilling (laughs) Jesus' command to go and make disciples, but it's a start. If you're afraid to have a conversation, let myself or Pastor John or the other speakers, let us help you start the conversation. And then you don't have to bring it up. You can be like, what do you think about what they said? Did that... Do you, do you agree with that? Do you not agree with that? And so you could use that to help start the conversation. And so inviting people to church is a great way to begin this. If you're, if you're not quite sure you understand how to share your faith, if you don't understand, and we have some incredible resources we'd love to help you out with there as well. At the very least, we should be doing that. Because we've gotta be a people 
And we've got to be a place that is so concerned with people because that's the God we serve. And so we've got to be willing, right, for all of us who go here, we've got to be willing to, to open our arms to people who would come in that maybe don't know the Lord, and that's okay. And we've got to be a people who, are, who love them enough to say, hey, we want you to know what's going on. I am always trying to find new ways and other ways to share my faith and to share with other people. And this past week, I saw one from another church that I think summarizes a great way to begin a conversation with people. And so I thought I'd share that with you as we wrap up our time today. Number one, I'm a complete idiot. Right? If you followed the Lord more than like three minutes, you figured this out. Right? My sin makes me an idiot. Right? Paul said that I do what I don't want to do, and what I don't want to do, I do. It's the definition of an idiot. Right? And so this is great because it's a reminder of who we are. And you can go a hundred different ways from here. I'm an idiot. And the reason I'm an idiot is because I'm a sinner. And so are you. And that sin separates us from a holy God. But here's the, here's the great thing. My future is incredibly bright. I'm a complete idiot, but my future is incredibly bright. Not based on what I've done, but what on Jesus Christ has done for me. And I'm not confident that I'll be with the Lord because of what I've done, but because of his sacrifice. And lastly, anyone can get in on this. So I'm a complete idiot. My future is incredibly bright. And anyone can get in on this. So I have to admit that I'm an idiot in front of everybody. So I thought that this would be helpful if you all did as well. Why don't you try it with me? I'm a complete idiot, right? There you go, yeah. Try it again. I'm a complete idiot. My future is incredibly bright. And anyone can get in on this. Look, if we believe that anyone can get in on this, if we really believe that, if we really believe that anyone can have a relationship with the Lord, and we should, we should be like Jonah, and we should obey the word of the Lord, and we should go to our Nineveh, wherever that is, and we should be willing to share and invite and talk to other people because their lives depend on it. And so Jonah finally obeys and does what the Lord wants. But just like Jonah, if you come back next week, we'll figure out that all of us have another problem, and that is the struggle of doing this and living this out. And so if you would, join me as we pray. Father, thank you so much for your word today. And God, I pray that you would impress upon every single person who's here today where their Nineveh is. God, that you'd give them the courage to talk to that person, that you would help them to see that we've got to share with others the great news that we've been given. God, for those that maybe don't know you this morning, I pray that they'd realize that they're a complete idiot apart from you, that their future can be incredibly bright, and that, Father, that anyone can get in on this. So God, if there's somebody who doesn't know you, I pray that you'd help them to seek out a friend that brought them or myself or others to where they can know the hope that we can have because of Jesus. God, we thank you for Jonah and his example that we can learn from him and that you had his full attention, God. I pray that you would continue to capture our attention. You would allow it not to be shaped by the world or the things of the world, 
but we would stay focused on you. We know we can't do that apart from your help and your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.